Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy! Hello everyone, you're listening to Those Are the Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. And I'm her friend, Melanie. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. Okay everyone, I'm super excited to have my friend Annie Fitzgerald, the founder of No Such Thing as Unplanned, um, her nonprofit. She's going to talk about it. Uh, First, I'm going to give you some background, Annie. So I'm just going to read it, everyone. So that's why I'm looking down. Annie Fitzgerald was adopted from Russia when she was six months old. Growing up, she struggled with feeling like she was a plan. Like she struggled with feeling like there was a plan and purpose in her life as she realized she was unplanned. After years of reflecting and healing, she came to realize that in God's eyes, there is no such thing as unplanned. She began to share her story and found many adoptees relating to it, and others were inspired. In March 2020, she found No Such Thing as Unplanned, a platform where adoptees can connect, share, and find support in order to reach out and help other adoptees struggling through providing resources and by building up a community of adoptees to show that no adoptee is ever alone. I'm so sorry I butchered that. That was really good. <laughs> that, um, when you sent it to me, to be honest, I couldn't read it at the time. Um, but that's really, I love that. That's really cool, Annie. Thank you. I'm excited for you um, to share more about this nonprofit. And also too, yeah. I'm excited for people who are going to listen that are adopted for you guys to um, get connected with Annie and No Such Thing as Unplanned because this stuff is really good and it's really important. Um, I'm not adopted, but I'm sure there's so many people out there who have felt the same things you've felt before. So before we get into that. Yeah, this is also really good too. If you are a parent of an adoptee or if you're planning to adopt like I I hope to adopt one day so it's so good too to hear the perspective of an adoptee yeah okay Melody go ahead (laughs) so Annie (laughs) kicking it off I thought you were gonna like throw something in there Mallory okay (laughs) kicking it off tell us a little bit about yourself what are your hobbies what do you like to do I want to get to know Annie yeah um I'm a 19 year old college student I'm at Benedictine College where I study theology um and yeah so kind of just my favorite thing and some political science is always thrown in there because I can't help myself Mm -hmm. um but you know, when I'm at school, I just, I'm hanging out with people. I'm constantly doing things in different clubs. Our pro-life club is awesome. We have so many clubs of Benedictine, and I know this isn't about my college. I just love it so much, but I'm running usually from thing to thing. I always love doing one-on-ones with people. I love getting to know people in relationships. So I always have coffee or lunch with somebody. Um, you know, my downtime, I try to like go to mass as much as I can in adoration, but for the most part, I am doing a lot of pro-life work or nonprofit work. Um, it's kind of just consumed me this past year. So oh. really quick, um, is Franciscan College the same thing as Benedictine College? Or are those two separate colleges? They're, they're separate colleges, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I, for whatever reason, I thought it was like Franciscan Benedictine, but that doesn't make sense now that I'm saying that out loud. Um, <laughs> I think there, I think there's kind of like a competition. I yeah, feel, there's a little bit like, of like, oh, oh yeah. Franciscan, okay. no Benedictine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a friend. I think she's going to Franciscan. I, yeah. I don't know if she'll listen yeah. to this. It sounds like she should be going to Benedictine if I'm here. <laughs> I, think, I think she should come over. It's not too late. <laughs> but yeah, so I totally relate to a lot of hobbies and things like that, just being around like pro-life, political. Um, when I'm on, currently I'm off of all dating apps. I'm taking a break again. Um, and whenever people again. are like, oh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, um, whenever people um, are like, oh, what hobbies do you have? I'm like always fumbling like, oh, what hobbies do I have? Because like, if I don't come home to do a podcast, I'm at a political event. So it's, it is hard to find a balance, especially when this is your passion. I think it's important right. to find it. I don't want to be this way, but I'll admit sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, what do I like? I like laying down and watching a movie, <laughs> but that's not a hobby. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think like the question of like, what do you like to do? I feel like is really rooted in like our identity. Like who are you? And so as Christians, of course, (laughs) our identity is founded in Christ, but then it's like, of course, that's like not the answer people are wanting to hear. So I feel similarly of like, what do I do? And so I think of the things that I like. And I like to dance. Like when I get to go out to dance or when I get to go to a party, like I like to do that. So I say, okay, well, I like to dance. I have Wait, a dog. Pause. Sorry, okay. pause really quick. Do you go line dancing? Like cowboy Ooh, line, line dancing? dancing? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Well, well, I, I would love to see that. Yeah, two stepping. <laughs> yeah. What are your views on swing dancing? I like swing dancing. Okay, I've done it a few times. Uh, I feel like the the thing that's most prominent here in Texas is the two step. Okay, a lot of two stepping and Latin dancing. So I have I do swing dance from time to time. Anyways, but that's just an example of like yeah. I like to swing dance as like a hobby or reading, listening to podcasts. I I just think like it's so important to take a mental break from pro-life world political world Mm -hmm. because it can drain you and you can feel burnout and you need that mental break and also too there's just a huge spiritual battle um, as we know Mm -hmm. as christians that our battle is not against flesh and blood but against the principalities the invisible things that we can't see these evil powers and so that's why i try to be intentional in like making time to roller skate or watch the next horror movie that came out um because i need that like time away (laughs) from pro-life 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 yeah valerie you had a strong reaction well, you said horror movie, and I don't know, that doesn't sound relaxing to me, but to each their own, I guess. <laughs> it's your hobby, not my hobby. But no, you're totally right. I was having a conversation with um, one of my friends about this. Uh, we both do pro-life activism, uh, but she's way, like, it's her job. She's way more involved in it um, than I am. We were just talking about, like, spiritually, like, uh, so we went to Love Life, if anybody saw, we went to Love Life. You guys will be listening to this episode a week after it was recorded, so two weeks from when you are listening to it, and it felt, like, extra heavy than it's ever felt before and I was legitimately sitting there like tearing up while we were praying and I was like wow I've never like you know I get emotional but not like I'm like wiping tears um it just felt extra heavy and we were just talking about like how we gotta take breaks because it's spiritual it's a spiritual battle and we need to be building ourselves up and I mean how often we get into the word and I know that I've been slacking a little bit these past couple of weeks just from like (laughs) just from like personal stuff going on I've just been slacking but um I mean honestly when you are ingrained in these things we have to take breaks and we have to make sure we're building ourselves up in the word too especially um all the heavy stuff that you're probably dealing with Annie when you talk to different people so can you tell us a little bit about um why you started this um what was your what was the word you used conviction we want to hear what convicted you (laughs) yes yeah so many things I think the main thing was as an adoptee, I just didn't have a community. Um, growing up, I remember like starting to get into adoption and look into it and I would look it up and it would always be the adoptive parents talking and they would like share their kids stories. And I was like, okay, whatever. And as I got older, especially with Instagram and Facebook, communities can really come together on social media. And so I got into the adoption community there and it was kind of the same, same thing. And I saw adoptive parents. I saw two sides. I saw the adoptive parents being like, look at my perfect family of adopted children and my white couch with the perfect everything. 
Um, and then I would see the other side of like what I call the angry adoptees where their adopted families maybe weren't the best or they really, really did struggle with adoption, which is common, but didn't learn how to handle it the right way or didn't have that support they needed. And so they're very angry and almost anti-adoption to an extent. And so oh, wow. I just saw these two sides and I was like, okay, I like there's elements of truth, but neither one of them is the truth. And so um, I began to share my story of that adoption is traumatic and difficult and not fun at times, but it's really beautiful. And many of the opportunities that I have in my own life, I wouldn't have if I wasn't adopted. And so I kind of shared that perspective um, and people really liked it, especially on my Instagram. I still get messages to this day of adoptive parents or other adoptees saying like, thank you so much. Like I've been looking for someone who shares this view with me. And so that was kind of one reason. Um, the second reason was just sharing my story, um, kind of like what my bio says, a lot of people really liked it. The first time I shared it was at a high school pro-life retreat, which was really awesome. I had never, and the funny thing is I had never told anyone I was adopted until like a week before then. Um, oh, so wow. I was like coming out. Whoa. Like, Zero wait, to a hundred. Like, so, quick. okay. Wait, wait, pause, pause, pause. I have a couple questions yeah. really quick. So <laughs> did you know you were, did your parents tell you at birth? Yeah. Well, not at birth, mm-hmm. I guess, because you probably wouldn't have understood it, but <laughs> your parents, you've known your whole life that you were adopted. Yes. Yeah, okay. I, my parents did a great job. Um, I've always known I was adopted. That was never, ever a question. Yeah. Um, it was never, you know, like something that was like, I was ashamed of. And I still remember being really young and asking questions and things. So at home, it was always good. But going out to like school and stuff and seeing some of my friends look just like their mom or just like their dad would kind of yeah. get me. And I'd be like, what the heck is wrong here? And so there's just a lot of difficulties in that like identity. And so that was huge for me. And so through that, I had to like do a lot of healing and stuff. And then once I did, I was really able to share my story and um, kind of go full force with it. But yeah. Do you have any siblings? I feel like I should know this. Mm, Biological and adopted? No. Okay. Oh, Um, biological or adopted? Yeah. Neither. Yeah. You're just Annie. Okay. I'm just just, just Annie. (laughs) That's cool though. Um, And then when how so you I'm, do you, you have cousins I'm going to assume mm-hmm. okay yeah. so when you're how do your cousins I guess extended family how do they everybody treat you like you're part of the family did you ever feel yeah. like you were excluded in any way yeah so the fun thing is that growing up I just didn't even think about being adopted very often oh, good. Um, there's that's definitely good. moments that it came you know yeah um, I think that's normal but with my extended family like I was a part of the family and whatever. And they would tell me stories. They'd be like, oh, when we came to meet you at the airport for the first time or this or that, but it was never like, oh, she's different. Like I grew up just like anybody else. And like, they're my family. And and that's that, you know, there was never any like discrimination or difficulty. I know someone through social media that was telling me their like a little bit about their story. And it's Mm -hmm. so sad. Their grandparents would be like, okay, now just a picture with the bio kids. Yeah, isn't that awful? Oh yeah. my god! So then they they stopped visiting. Yeah, and they stopped, visiting. Yeah, and they stopped so visiting. yeah, 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 yeah. It's so sad. Yeah, it was sad. Yeah, and she doesn't have Instagram anymore. Not because of that. I forgot why, but like I don't talk to her anymore. But I, when she told me that, I was like, oh, that is the saddest thing. But her family, her parents were like, you know what? Let's just after a while, they're like, this isn't. There's no reason we can't pretend to be nice to these people. So they just stopped visiting her grandparents. But yeah. Sad. That, but that's good though I think that was also part of like the taboo of adoption is like that person's yeah. different and I think now the adoption community has broken so many barriers I've seen so much with birth parents and adoptive parents having open relationships and stuff which is so great for the kids can you explain um, that really quick taboo. can you explain yeah. like an open and closed adoption yeah so I have a closed adoption so what th- what that basically means is that I have no contact with my birth parents and I most likely never will um especially since my adoption was 19 years ago in a different country where it was really really taboo um but a closed adoption is that there's usually no communication between the families um every now and then when an adoptee turns 18 that can get changed I've seen that happen before but it's usually within the states and open adoption is becoming a lot more popular and there's more positive benefits um from it from what people have seen and researched but that's where the adoptee, the adoptive family get to have a relationship with the birth mom or birth parents. 
Um, so that adoptee gets to grow up kind of knowing a little bit more about their identity, who they are, where they came from. They'll have access to their medical records and really get oh, to have good. that relationship and not have to kind of have those questions of like, who am I? Who were they? Why did they, you know, place me for adoption? It's, it's very much, it's helpful for closure and healing and health altogether. That's good. That's good. Okay. So you can continue your story. I forgot what you were Stay, uh, but do I you think I'm not sharing it for the first time. So yes, yes, yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I so totally off. forgot. Sorry, I had so many You're questions. So Let's hear it. <laughs> but um, anyway, from there, that story is kind of what got me on fire for actually the pro life movement, and so. From there, I was just like, okay, I want to do more with this movement. And so I went ahead and got involved with Students for Life at the end of my senior year. I called a few people, introduced myself. They're like, apply for this fellowship thing. I was like, sure, awesome, we'll do it. So I got that. And then I started going on these door knocking deployments where I met a bunch of people. I met Melanie there. Um, it was really, really crazy and kind of fun. I was just traveling to different cities all summer and then even throughout my first semester in college, um, just doing a lot of pro-life work there constantly in our pro-life club. But also that space of the pro-life movement allowed me to share my story even more. And then also I had been so open about it. My Instagram turned into like an adoption page to an extent that um, people as students for life and on my college campus knew I was adopted, knew I was open about it. And so people um, in both realms actually would come to me and be like, hey, I'm adopted. Can we talk? And so I got to start connecting with people one-on-one, which is super cool. I got coffee dates with people and not just adoptees, but people who had like adopted siblings as well, which is really cool to hear like these different perspectives and everyone had different backgrounds, very different stories and things. So it was really eye-opening, but what was really eye-opening was despite how different each experience and background and thoughts on adoption were, a lot of people had like the same, a lot of adoptees had the same struggles. And so from there, I kind of was like, okay, I think I might be onto something. I had also at the time started a blog called No Such Thing as Unplanned, where I was kind of writing about adoption and the pro-life movement as those worlds were kind of just intersecting for me. Um, Started doing some more speaking and I was writing a little bit for other websites. And um, January, 2020, I got quarantined and I was freaking out. I was like texting someone. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know why God's making me do this. Like I have to be in school. Like this isn't, this isn't working out for me, but it was so awesome that time because that was when I was like, you know what, I want to start something. And so I called up, I FaceTimed a friend, his name's Braden Eckert. He's on Instagram. He's about oh, to I follow him. He's really awesome. So I got in touch with him and I was like, Hey, I want to start something for adoptees. And so me and him got to work right away and started oh. making our plans and making a team. And, um, by March we were like, let's just do it. And so I launched it that night. I had a Students for Life meeting with 400 donors, got to present it to them, which was crazy. It was super fun. Um, so they all got to hear it. And then I just started going with it. And now each month, Goals, we come out, okay. new things, we're launching new stuff and expanding. So that's kind of where we're at right now with it. That's amazing. Um, yes. As you- we both reacted, as you can see, if you're watching, if you are listening, you might not have heard that. I didn't know this one of the donors. That's amazing. Whoa. That is amazing. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, and two, two things, and then I have a, or one thing, and then I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. The first, the thing I want to point out is I love how you saw a need for something, you felt God's call, and then you just did it. I tell people all the time, just yeah. do it. If you just ever everyone listening right now if you ever want to ask me should you do xyz i'm gonna tell you to just do it like there's nothing holding it doesn't hurt anybody just do it like if you have the idea just do it like don't hesitate just do it i mean obviously put forth your best effort you know like you said you did your research but you do that and then you just put it out there and the whole exactly and the whole goal of all of this stuff is to help at least one person and to bring glory to God and if you do that if you don't ever become for example those are the girls I honestly if I'm gonna be honest with you I'd love to be up there on the top charts and have conferences and our magazine go wild and oh my god those are the girls are so great I would love that but if that doesn't happen it's okay because I know from people reaching out. I know that I've touched people. I know that the message has resonated with people. And I know that God is being glorified from some of the comments of people who listen and some people who aren't even um, consider themselves Christian listen and are taking it in. So, I mean, I, 
that's the purpose of the thing, the reason why you do these things. So as long as one person um, builds something, that's all that matters. Okay, that was just my comment on that. So really quick, you said um, some of the common struggles. Can you give us three common struggles that adoptees go through? Yeah, I think three common, I think the biggest one is just self-identity. Who am I? Um, where am I from? You know, what does this mean about me? What does this say about me? I think that's a huge thing. Um, I know for myself, not only not only myself, but so many other people, they were like, is there something wrong with me? You know, um, there's that just kind of wound of rejection. And so I think that's just a huge struggle. Um, another one would probably be like, because of that wound of rejection, feeling accepted. Um, so you have that first like initial rejection. And then from there, you're like, okay, well, you know, I, I don't want to be rejected again. So you reject other people, maybe, you know, you don't know how everyone acts different, but you might reject yeah. other people and then you just don't feel accepted or you might not feel you, if you are adopted from another country or you're another race and you're adopted family, you might just feel different. That one's yeah. really common. I would say that's the second one. I've heard that from a lot of people. And then I would say like a third struggle is just like wanting to know, but not being able to know, um, especially for mm. closed adoptions. I would say not knowing your medical history is really big for me. I don't know my medical history. So I hate going to the doctor's office sometimes and being like, I'm adopted. I don't know. So that one's yeah. probably a big, big one. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I'm just thinking about like how middle school, I mean, I struggled with identity just because I was different. Yeah. I can't imagine um, also having the other, you know, having something else to have added to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like what I struggle with probably is nothing compared to what adoptees struggled with, but I'm just thinking like, dang that. And I thought, you know, I spent a lot of time crying. I can't imagine <laughs> how it is for um, people that are struggling. So what are some solutions do you think? Yeah, I would say like a solution is, okay, first, like I'm a huge person for this, go to counseling find okay, someone who is in a yes. like an adoption counselor the beauty of yeah. like nonprofit, no such thing as unplanned if you go to our website no such thing as unplanned.org we actually have resources where we have a therapist oh, directory where you can lit. find counselors and therapists throughout the entire country um so we have that for you if you need and one. they're therapists who specialize like yes. in adoptees uh -huh. oh that's wow good. that's so yeah. interesting because as you so were talking as you're talking I'm and saying these it. unique things that adoptees experience, like what I was thinking was there needs to be a field of like mm -hmm. psychology, a field like studying that. Yeah. So I'm so glad that already mm -hmm. exists. Yeah. So we have that. <laughs> so we have like therapists and counselors who are trained in like adoption and attachment issues. And even like I have foster oh. care on there too for foster youth. So nice. that is all on there. So I would say counseling is a huge thing. I would also say, um, try and find some adoptees in your community. It can be hard sometimes. I didn't know anyone who was adopted until I gave my first talk. And then I had like Whoa. 10 friends who I found out were adopted and we were like, okay, oh, adopting wow. gang. And so we all adopted gang. friends after that. <laughs> gang, so, gang. Yeah, that's what we did. We called it adopted gang. It was so funny, but. So wait, so pause. Okay, wait, pause two seconds. So <laughs> they didn't, they didn't tell you that they were adopted either. No, I think I knew some people were adopted, but not everyone was at the same level. Not everyone was open about it. But I found that when one person's vulnerable, it allows other people to be vulnerable. And that's kind Absolutely. of what happened. So um, I remember, yeah. Sorry, really quick. Okay, so um, when you told, so when you guys all found out that you were adopted was it kind of just like why weren't people talking about it just because it was kind of taboo yeah that's my or, same question is why yeah. what what is the reasoning or like the the thought process of why an adoptee wouldn't share that openly mm -hmm. yeah. I think sometimes it's just irrelevant like I know many adoptees that's are like fair. yeah I'm adopted but it like doesn't impact me a lot yeah it can be a really really deep struggle and it's something that they're just not ready to deal with like me I was that way for like 15 16 years I just like I wouldn't talk about it I'd have people be like okay like something about adoption will come up and they'd look at me and I'd just be like no like we're not we're just not going there you know yeah um so there's there's that there's just a lot of struggle with it especially if there's struggle with the adoptive family whatever that may be um so people can be ashamed of it but um, I think for the group that I was with, the people I was with, I just didn't know they were adopted. Like it just yeah. wasn't a big deal. And then I opened up and they were like, wait, I'm adopted too. Let's, let's talk about this. Yeah, let's talk about some of these struggles we have. And it was just kind of a, 
kind of just a connection, but something that I don't think anybody was ashamed. If they were, they wouldn't have said anything, you know? So it was just kind uh-huh. of being that first person to say something and then everyone being like, okay, let's, let's be friends. Let's connect. Because I remember the first time I shared it, I think it was before I shared it or after, but one of the girls at the retreat was also adopted and she, and I told her I was giving this talk and she got super excited about it. And we actually had a deeper conversation at the retreat, um, just about like our adoption stories and stuff. And so we got to share, but I, she had already been open about it. We just never talked about it because it was irrelevant. Okay. And I guess so, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin's adopted and he lived in the same city as me and we're the same age and he was in the same city as me for the fifth grade and we were in the same class and everything and it just never came up because he also looks like my uncle too which is very interesting he actually like looks like he's one he he's biologically um related to us so it I mean and I'm thinking about like some of the people in my high school that were adopted they were it was an interracial adoption so it was kind of like uh this is a little bit more obvious so it just never came, yeah. And I remember, I said something to somebody a couple of years ago about my cousin being adopted. I don't even know how we got on the topic. And they're like, oh, he was adopted. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess. It just never came up. So yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's almost better when it doesn't come up because I was talking to someone at a banquet and he's an adoptive dad. And he was like, I, I even hate it when they say adoptive and biological. Like they're just my, like they're my kids. Yeah. So sometimes it's, you know, cause I remember even like if someone is like, like if my mom ever says like she's my adopted kid, like even that with me, I'm just like, heck, like I'm your kid, you know, kind of a yeah, thing. So yeah, I, yeah, I sometimes like that. it's I like that. just it just yeah, doesn't it, matter. It doesn't yeah. really matter to an extent. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. That um, makes sense. So you were saying the different solutions, which was counseling, right? Finding, finding a support a, system. Yeah. And, I, and then is there I a third? Say, honestly, just healing I say journaling is really good um I guess that kind of goes into counseling but just writing making sure you know your story is huge um I think we say that in the pro-life movement like know why you're pro-life and everything like that like that'll inspire you I think knowing your adoption story and everything you possibly can about your adoption especially if it's closed is just also super healing so just asking your parents questions you know it might be scary at first you might not want to but um they most likely want to share that with you. They don't want to keep it from you, but you do have to ask and take that like initiative. Um, so yeah, I would say like, those are the three things, at least in my life that have been the most healing. And then for me, not everyone's called to it, but for sharing my story constantly um, and turning it into what I have my nonprofit now, just sharing my story a lot has also been healing, but not everyone is called to that. Yeah. But I think if you are called to do that, it's really good to, talk to people who have. So I know Annie is a great resource. I don't know what just happened there. Um, Annie's a great resource if you want to work on sharing your story or we just need someone to talk to. Um, Man, this is good. Um, I'm trying to think of another question I had. Yeah, I have Um, have a question. Oh, go ahead. Can you share, and I hope I'll word this okay, but like how being adopted has influenced your perspective as a pro-life person? Like, can you explain yeah, good question, how the two like intersect and intertwine and how yeah. just what, how has that made your perspective unique and how that can influence other people? Yeah. So my adoption and the pro-life movement really go hand in hand for me. Um, Cause the movement abortion just made me mad right off the bat. I didn't even think about my story, but once I shared my story and realized it was a pro-life story, that's when I really got excited for the pro-life movement because I was like, hold up. Um, I really like, it's, you know, so easy. I think adopted people are obviously their birth parents are usually not in a good spot, but you know, like to be honest, in a happy world, in a perfect world, adoption wouldn't need to exist because every parent would be able to take care of their own child. Mm-hmm. Um, but if an adoption, like if a birth parent can't keep their child and they have to place them for adoption because they're not emotionally ready or financially ready, um, which is the case with my birth mom, adoption is really, really great. And so I realized that um, my birth mom had three options. Um, the first one would have been an abortion and I wouldn't be here right now. The second thing that she could have done was keep me and say like, I don't care what kind of life this kid has. Like she's mine. Like she's not leaving. Like she's mine kind of a thing and be kind of selfish in that. 
But what she did was the most pro-life thing that she could have done, the hardest thing she could have done. But she um, she chose to carry me for nine months, um, give birth to me through all of that pain, and then kiss me on the head and say goodbye and place me for adoption. So I could not only have a like a life, but a good life. Um, and so I think that's such a pro-life answer to a really difficult circumstance and struggle. Um, and so just the fact that I could have been an abortion is huge. Um, and that's something that really came through my mind as I was getting into the movement of like, well, she was financially unstable. She didn't have a good, like significant other. She didn't have a lot of support. And what are, what is that? Like, those are the lies that the abortion industry tells women to get abortions. This okay. is exactly their narrative of like, you don't have any of these things. And I, I talk about it a lot. I just had an Instagram post about it of my birth mom defied all of that. So don't tell me those are reasons to get an abortion because they're not. Um, there's, you can get help. There's so many, so many resources. Students for Life has resources. There's resources all over Instagram. I know Melanie always has like really awesome resources that she shares to get help. There's uh, pregnancies, resource centers, all of those things. Um, and so adoption is a pro-life option, period. Oh, it's beautiful. That. And I have a follow-up question. I want to hear about how does your experience as an up an adoptee um, intertwine with your Christian faith? How has that, um, you know, influenced your relationship with Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it hasn't. I think. Granted, I could have been in a different family and they may not have raised me in a Christian home or whatever, but like my adoption just doesn't come up when I'm praying to God. I mean, I think there's struggles I can always work through with God when it comes to that, you know, pray for that healing. But if I wasn't adopted, if I was in the same family and it was like, let's say I was born biologically from my parents, I think my faith would have been the same. I just wouldn't have a story to tell. Um, So Mm. that's just my thought. I don't think, and uh, people always ask me where like identity plays a part with adoption. They're like, how do you view your identity? And I'm like, yeah as a child of God, like, Ooh, I like that. Good answer. I'm not, like, I'm not adopted. That's why I don't have adopted in my Instagram, like handle or bio. It's like, I'm a child of God. And this just happens mm. to be my story type of thing. I love Amen. that. Annie. I love that. That's good. Thank That's you. Good. That. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do as pro-lifers to help adoptees or to help the adoption industry well I don't know if that's what you get into but what can we do like people listening I know if I was listening to this episode I'd be like all right what do I do next like how do we help people I would say the main thing you can do is listen and support um the best thing you can do is learn from adoptees so I know um brave love is an awesome website they share stories from all of the triad um, and adoptees. I've written for them before, but they are a great site to go to. No such thing as unplanned. We're working on more and more blogs where people share their stories of specifically purpose and healing, finding that purpose and healing, but learning from adoptees. What should I say? What shouldn't I say? What, you know, what are those myths that are obvious? What are those myths that people still like widely believe? Um, how can I help you in your journey of healing or finding your self-identity? Like, what can I do for you? I think that is the best thing you can do is just learn from that person. It's almost like I'd equate it to learning a language. It's best to go get immersed in that language. You learn it best that way. Yeah. You're not going to learn from reading. You can learn some stuff, some statistical stuff from like websites on adoption, but you're going to learn best from those who are affected by adoption, who are in the triad, whether that's adoptive parents, birth parents, or adoptees. I'd say, listen, learn, ask what that person needs. Uh, each person's individual. So I can't speak on every single adoptee, but finding those adoptees in your life and reaching out your hand, especially if you know they're struggling. Don't be afraid for that nudge to say, hey, I'm here for you if you ever want to talk. Here are some resources. Um, my my other friends adopted, if you guys ever want to connect that, you know, I love connecting with adoptees. That's my thing. So um, just being there for them is really the best thing you can do, listening and supporting. That's, that's my answer. <laughs> and you said something I really liked about language, knowing what to say and what not to say. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know with Students for Life, one thing that I learned from them was to say um, placed for adoption yeah. instead of given up for adoption. Do you have oh. any other examples? Uh, yeah. So all Good us other, other girls can know different language around adoption, how to talk And I'll about. put yeah. this in the blog. I'll put this in the blog. Okay, go ahead. Um, I the language we've used this entire podcast has been fantastic. 
Um, so a huge thing that we've been saying is biological and um, adopted children. A huge thing that people tend to say is like, oh, this kid's adopted and this is like a child of your own. Do you see that? Like uh, yeah, that? That's yeah. like a huge thing. So always like if you're going to talk about biological children, say biological children. Um, it's kind of similar too as like, don't say real parent, say birth parent or adoptive parent or biological parent, whatever it is, like specify what you mean, because all in my book, all parents are real parents. Um, and so to, and also just to say like real parent kind of takes away from the other one, no matter like which parent you're talking about. So I always say, yeah. make sure you say like specify which parent, birth parent or biological parent. Um, placed is a huge one. Melanie, you hit on that. And then for birth parents, from what I've learned in the birth like mom community is when a woman is pregnant and planning on an adoption, don't say birth mother, say expectant mother. Okay. She might choose to change her mind. She, you know, she's not a birth mom yet. So saying expectant mother and treating her as she is the mother that she is treating her like that, that she's not just some business. She's not whatever, just there to, you know, have children and give them away. That's not it. Um, and then I would say like the last one is a kind of controversial one. Um, some adoptees like it, some don't. And it's saying, don't say gotcha day. Um, it's saying, okay, like, I was going to ask you about that. What does that day, mean? Yeah. Gotcha never... day? Gotcha day is you've usually never... the day you're adopted. Yeah. Um, and so. Oh, you've never seen like, um, Jesse, the show yeah. Jesse on Disney it's Channel? Yeah. Gotcha yeah, um, they have a whole gotcha day uh, celebration. Mm-hmm. on jesse yeah. for oh yeah. you okay know, you said girl's name you said jesse and my mind went to uh good luck charlie that's <laughs> 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 where my mind went and i no. was like, <laughs> like yeah. who was adopted hey jesse that show Ooh. now i okay 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 i yeah. gotcha where the kid yeah. I, just one little gripe about that show <laughs> the um indian kid called his parents mr and mrs mommy and daddy and i thought that was so stupid like that was just i don't like that just he's not like he's weird but not that weird Uh, oh i did not like that that annoyed me that's cringy yeah cringe anyway Anyway, gotcha day don't so you're against gotcha day yeah i i'm more or less i don't necessarily care that much but here's the reason why yeah tell us why gotcha day is usually the day you're adopted and it's the day that your family will like celebrate that day but it's like oh I got you but you don't just get like you can get a t-shirt you can get a cat you don't just like get a kid kind of a thing okay okay Um, that's almost kind of like demeaning to an extent or like lesser than I guess it's like also it's kind of like the thing of like you don't say give up you say placed because you give up a t-shirt you give up a slice of pizza a seat on the bus but you don't give up a kid the kid is way more than that it's kind of the same same thought with gotcha day you don't just get a kid because you feel like getting a kid type of thing so people have now been kind of like say family day and it's all inclusive to the extent Mm, of like birth parents too and you can honor the birth parents whether you know them or not and the adoptive family so it's just kind of like a family day to celebrate your adoption day and you belonging into the the families nice okay so it's not it's not a wrong or taboo to celebrate that day it's just the language around that day gotcha Mm -hmm. yeah so (laughs) you just said gotcha that was not intentional (laughs) the first one the first gotcha was (laughs) um so my next so a question kind of about that how much attention should so eventually i would like to adopt um you know in my 30s, unless I get married soon, and then we'll do it as soon as possible. No, I'm just joking. Well, I'm not really joking. Anyway, um, I eventually would like to adopt. Um, and I'm just curious, and I'm sure people listening are too, how often should you bring it up? Like, I'm super, I'll just use myself, for example. I, as like a Black person, I also kind of I'm weird with bringing up race stuff. So I don't know, not weird, but like, I don't bring it up as often as possible. I know some people are like, hi, I'm black. And then they tell you their name. I'm not like that. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm Mallory and blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah. And I just happen to be black as opposed to like it being the whole thing. So how often should you bring up to your child? So like, let's say I adopted a child from Mexico. Do I 
do we go to Mex or would it be okay if we went to all these Mexican festivals? I had her have a Spanish teacher and we would dress up, you know, like what is, how often should you bring it up? And like, I guess what's the line between like embracing their culture? Um, Cause I don't want to like overdo it. Like, let's say right. I like adopt someone from Mexico and then, you know, we start becoming people. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I want to hear the answer to this. Exactly. Tell us Annie. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a balance. I think um, obviously if you have like little, little ones that you've adopted, whether baby toddlers, letting them know their story is so important. Um, so just, you know, teaching those kids their story, like you would teach it anyway else. I remember when I was growing up, my parents had a bunch of like children's books on adoption. Um, and oh, so I kind nice. of learned through that. Yeah. Um, and then as I got older, it was not necessarily talked about as like a secret, but it was talked about when it was brought up. So like during our family day, we would talk about it. If I ever, if I had questions, um, we would talk about it. You know, it was just kind of, it, it was what it was. Um, it wasn't like, okay, what do we, you know, what do we need to do to like celebrate your culture or anything yeah. like that? It was it, like, it was just there. Like I just knew. And like, even my mom, even today, like in our house, we have like these little Russian boxes that she got from over there. And that's like a reminder. And I think we have some like Russian poetry books. And like, I even, when I was little, they had these um, Russian nesting doll thing, like toys. I think people have seen uh, them or they yeah, just yeah, all, yeah. opened up and they're smaller ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I still have one in my room just for the heck of it. And so I just grew up with kind of a little bit of Russian culture. I know my mom taught me a few words here and there. I don't know any, so don't ask. I don't remember. <laughs> but um, just kind of growing up, just knowing about Russia and about my adoption story just a little bit was just enough for me personally. I never asked that many questions. I did here and there, but just, it was just part of my life and part of my story. They never really overdid it. It's not like a huge conversation I have now with them. Um, but it was when I was younger, when I was curious and needed to learn that stuff. I needed it for me and for healing and things like that. I think that's important. So just teaching it like you would teach anything else, really, especially when they're younger, if they're older, they know they're adopted. Um, I mean, I, I think it's pretty simple. It's not it's not something to overthink or ever worry about if you're thinking about yeah. adopting in the future or if you're raising little kids that are adopted now. Um, it's just something that just making sure they know their story and making sure they know that it's okay to be adopted and that there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with them specifically. Just kind of letting them know that adoption's okay and it's more than okay. It's a good thing. Um, even though like the story might be a little bit harder to hear and obviously telling them their story where like, you know, when they're age mature appropriate, and like, it's, yeah. age appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like what you were saying about healing because in my head, I was like, I'm going to adopt a bunch of children and they will not have a single trauma. They will be completely healed. I will have little perfect kids that will know <laughs> their history. But like the reality is like, no matter what, they're going to need healing. And I like that you keep saying that. So I think that also makes it very realistic. Um, Cause I do think we have, especially those of us in the pro-life movement who want to, I don't know a single person in the pro-life movement that does not want to adopt eventually. So I do think That's sometimes right. we romanticize, um, adoption especially when you see yeah. on tv like oh my goodness um instant family love that movie cried like a baby and i think like we kind of romanticize it when the reality is we don't really know how it's going to be and no matter what the child is mm -hmm. going to be healing exactly yeah so what are oh sorry really quick what are three three two or three myths um that people have about adoption that you want to crush really quick Oh, let me think. There's, there's so many. Um, I think like one of the myths is that like your kid will be super like behaviorally bad. Um, that's like a thing, like your kid won't be able to form like good secure attachments or they'll act out a lot, which isn't completely false. There is parts of that, you know, that's part of my story, but any adoptive kid is capable of having those attachments. It's, it's just all about how you go go through it and go with it um, and how you raise your kids and what you tell them. I think that's important, but I know like there's, there used to be at least uh, this myth of like all adoptive kids are just like terrible. They're delinquents. They're not, you know, there's not functional kind of a thing. Um, another one is um, myths about how long adoption will take. People will be like, Oh, it takes like 10 years to adopt a kid. Um, mm -hmm. a lot I've of heard that one. 
it can take years, but I think usually minimal wait time can be like 24 months, which is two years. So it is a lengthier process, but it's not as long as people um, would say or like think it is. Um, and then I think another myth, um, hmm, I don't know, I just, there's a lot of different myths of like how kids are going to act or how they'll be perceived. I think the first, a lot of the myths are very old fashioned. I'm going to say that right now. A lot of them are old fashioned. A lot of the newer adoption communities and things we have now in place, what we've learned through research has kind of smashed most of them, oh, but I good. do see some here and there. Um, but I think a lot of it has more or less gone away, but I know the length of time, how much money it would cost is also another yeah. thing. I don't know specifics. It depends on how you adopt, where you adopt, um, things like that. But I know those are kind of myths that are worth looking into because they're usually not true what, what those are. I have another myth I want to add that I learned. Um, in my pro-life club, we had an adoption agency um, representative come give a talk. Hmm. And one of the myths that she busted was... Um, the, what you often hear from pro-abortion supporters that um, there's there's just so many children waiting to be adopted and uh, not enough yeah. uh, people willing to adopt. Oh, that one's and, huge, yeah. Yes. And I remember, yeah. I don't remember this the stat, the ratio, but she had said for every one child waiting to be adopted that there's like several sets of adoptive parents. Yeah, 36. Oh my gosh, wow. that is bigger than oh. the number I was thinking in my head. Um, <laughs> wow. Waiting, waiting to adopt. And so, yes. What's the holdup? Oh, I guess you got to make sure they're decent people though too. So I do appreciate, because I know foster, like you have to go through a lot to do foster care. And I appreciate that yeah. because there's some flaws in the foster care system. But at the same time, kind of like, right, a little bit more than some. Um, but at the same time, it's like, oh, come on, like, there's people, there's kids waiting. There's, there's kids who want mm -hmm. the mommy and daddy. Um, but yeah. okay. That, I did not know that. I thought. Yeah. That I was didn't a good one to look yeah. At. yeah. I think the, this, the, the lie, the myth of like, oh, there's just so many kids waiting is because of that, like minimum 24 months that you just said. And so mm -hmm. then the pro-abortion people are like, but they're waiting for so long. It's like, yeah, but that's just a part of the process, you know, yeah. maybe that's yeah. how. Mm -hmm. well i'm out of questions mel do you have any questions i'm also out of questions <laughs> okay well annie i want you to tell everybody where to find you where to find no such things unplanned how to get in contact with you because i am sure well i'm going to share this in a bunch of pro-life um groups that i'm in yeah. and i'm gonna share it in a few other like kind of political stuff i'm in just because because I think this is really good information and you never know who is adopted or right, who wants right. to adopt. And this is really good. And I mean, I love the community aspect of this. Um, people really, I mean, people need community. And for all of our, all of the things, when you say your name and then there's different, not attributes, what would this be like different? It's not your character, like different aspects of you there are subgroups for that and like you can learn more about who you are and I think that's important um mm -hmm. facing this world anyway Annie go ahead and tell us about how to get in contact with you yeah so I'm on Instagram at the Annie Fitz my DMs are always open um, I get a lot of DMs from like adoptees and birth parents like I said earlier so um I always make sure to answer those within 24 hours um you can get a hold of no such thing as unplanned um, on no such thing as unplanned.org or on Instagram. It's just no such thing as unplanned. It should come up. You can always DM those. Um, you can get, you can contact us through our website um, for the adoptees. If you are in a place of feeling of knowing who you are, you are more than welcome um, and asked to write a blog for us to kind of create more community. Um, and then also kind of a little plug, but um, later on, either later this summer or early fall, we're going to start our adoptee support calls where we'll have support groups through Zoom. We have trained professionals and counselors as well. So um, get in contact with us. We're going to put some more information up on our site really soon about that. So adoptees can hop on and everything. We're kind of working through structuring things right now, but that should be 
coming really, really soon. So that will really create a community. And if you're looking for community, just reach out to me on Instagram. I will tell you people to follow, people to reach out to. Um, I will get you connected with anyone you want. Um, but yeah, that's where you can kind of find me. And if you really want to, um, you can also email. Seriously, you guys, let's support Annie. And um, I, when you do the Zooms like that, I'll try to remember to post those um, on our page too. So people who liked it, who know somebody or anything like that can um, do. click yeah. on to that. So, and I'll, everything that she said, I'll link in the description and in the show notes as well and then I'm going to do a blog post for this one I believe um just to have some of the information that uh you talked about I took some notes um but yeah Annie thank you so much again for coming on this was great conversation um I learned a lot I learned a lot about you I learned a lot about this topic um I've I've really enjoyed it and I really really appreciate you coming on um I think everybody listening I I have no doubt they learned stuff too. Um, everyone, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Share with your friends. This is a great episode to share with friends that are even liberal and non-Christian because it, I mean, people, I was going to say everyone's adopted. I mean, we are adopted children of Christ, but anyway, uh, of God. But, um, you know, everybody knows someone who is adopted and this could be, this could help someone's healing process, like listening and getting connected with these resources. Um, so this is a part of this podcast. Make sure you donate. Um, we have a link in the there's links everywhere. You can be able to donate $5 here, $10 here helps make a difference. Um, I pay for this podcast, everything out of my own pocket, and it'd be great to have some support. Um, and then also too, our donation for this month is um, women, it's to women of Mountain City, and they are going to help provide feminine products such as pads and tampons for the women in Mountain City, where one out of two experience period poverty. All right, you guys. Thanks everybody so much for listening and you will hear us again later. Bye. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to those other girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like comment and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at Those Other Girls Podcast and on Twitter at TOG underscore podcast. Those are the girls changing culture and bringing back traditional values.